0: Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of season two of You Can Call Me Out podcast. How's everyone doing? Guys, I'd just like to thank everyone that listened to the last episode on What Makes a Good Coach with Daniel Warshaw. Really appreciate it, guys. We're being viewed in about 10 different countries now, so that's really good to note down. Um, this week, we have Alex Bryson. Alex is a former student of Harriet Watt University. And he's now working in financial services. So, Alex, how are you doing, my friend?
1: Yeah, not too bad. You said ten countries now.
0: Ten countries. now, Can you now, list, yes. those I can, I can list, list those countries? I can. List those countries. I can list most of them. Uh, so, Taiwan. <laughs> <laughs> United the United <laughs> so Arab Emirates. Try right there. The United Arab Taiwan. Emirates. you Um. You got Belgium, Germany, Australia, <laughs> the U.S., Ireland. Um, obviously the UK, and yeah, I think that's, that's most of them, so yes.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and do you know a person in each of those countries?
0: Uh, Mex- sorry, Mexico as well. Um, I don't know anyone in, I know one person in Mexico, I don't know anyone in Taiwan or the United Arab Emirates, so that's very flattering.
1: Are you sure? I'm sure, I'm sure. So you it's, could be forgetting someone that you met on a holiday in Taiwan 10 years ago.
0: I'm pretty sure I've not been to Taiwan, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's great to have you on the show, Alex. So um, how's, the lockdown? Thank you. how's the lockdown been treating you?
1: Uh, which lockdown? Which lockdown do you want uh, to happen?
0: Well, let's go with this one, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> uh,
1: it's getting tiring, that's for sure. There's just been so many now that it's, it's getting difficult to keep track of time. Like I remember, right at the very start, last March, when we first went into lockdown, I thought, okay, this is just going to be temporary. We won't need to worry about staying indoors for any length of time. And here we are, pretty much a year later to the day, and we're still in a lockdown. And uh, it's 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 taken its toll not only on myself mentally, but also on kind of I guess my relationships, with my family, and everything else. Not in a negative way, but just, you know, stressing those uh, because we haven't been able to see each other as much. How have you been coping with the lockdowns?
0: Uh, yeah, so similar to yourself, it's um, at first I thought it was just going to be a, a very temporary thing, but it's obviously not. So I've just been, as I've, as I've said in my previous podcast, I've just been trying to get those home workouts in. i uh, been brushing up on my Spanish a bit, just been yeah it's good I can coach now which is which is something but but in the first lockdown I couldn't coach uh, tennis so that was pretty difficult for me so just ha- was just having to improvise basically but uh yeah it's not the best time and I'm kind of looking forward to everything being back to normal whether it will or not I'm I'm not sure but as discruf- discussed on previous podcast um, no one really knows so just got to work with what you can at the moment I guess
1: yeah, and when where are you coaching now? Is it still Black Hall or are you coaching back over in Inverleaf Park? Or Lowman
0: Park, sorry. Uh, no, not, not Lowman Park anymore. So I'm coaching at Black Hall and I'm coaching at Regent Terrace Gardens where I believe we've had a few matches um, before. We've had before many. A, match before, there, before the lockdown, a obviously. Um, not, not during lockdown, a few years ago. For, a few years ago, uh, uh, yeah. So um, some, it's had some good hits there, to be fair. Uh, it's a nice setting. Some so. Good yeah, nice setting and I've got some some nice clients there so no, it's 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 pretty nice. That's good. And uh, I will be coaching back at David Lloyd once it opens um but it's not currently open yet so uh yeah just waiting just waiting to see. Um so yeah. So we for the listeners we're going to kind of talk about how we first met. So I'll kind of say my side of the story. So basically Alex was already a uh, a qualified coach um, at Craig Lockhart Tennis Centre and I am um, I was put to, I didn't have any of my, um, I think I maybe had my level one but I, I had, I went in and um, Alex was my, um, or, or rather I was Alex's assistant, assistant coach and uh, I, I went up to him and said I shook his hand and then we were, we went down and got coaching and stuff and I had, I had absolutely no idea what to do because I'd never really coached before. And um, I just remember you mid session, kind of saying to me, "Um, if, look, Alistair if you can be really energetic and enthusiastic for the next half an hour, uh, I'll be really proud of you." And I did that, and uh, you were so. I,
1: I don't think it was. I don't think it was those words. I just want to step in here. and yep. just make sure that you're not misrepresenting what I said. No, but i I've think, said yes. You get in. You get out what you put in. That's what this Oh,
0: is. that's what you said, yeah, that's that is yeah. what you said to be fair, yeah. But this I was isn't wrong. even
1: the start of the story. I, I seem to remember very very vividly that you and I had actually met before we because had of Michael Brown. Okay, yeah,
0: I, I think we had met very briefly before. I, I sort of knew who yeah, you were. I, guess... I knew who you were, but I didn't I didn't actually yeah. know you as such, but uh I don't think I had i been formally introduced to you, but um
1: no, we had a hit before you and I worked together. We had a hit with Michael Brown under the dome. Oh, so we did. Sorry, there. I'm...
0: Uh, yeah, sorry, that was my mistake. Yeah, we, we did. We did indeed, yeah. Um, I think. I I just think remember
1: getting spanked around I your I think you remember... Because, you know,
0: like um, better. I think, if I'm correct, you came up to me and said, um, no, 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 I know how we first met... I think you're, my cousin, Lorong, uh, Lorong Steven, shout out oh, yeah. to him... He was doing the Laurel. same he was doing the same course as you uh, at, at Watt in first year. He he dropped out, but um, he was doing robot I think he was doing robotics and he was on sort of same course as you or something like that, if I'm correct.
1: No, so he was at my high school. Oh yeah, he was at your high school, that's what it years. was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. i got yeah. uh, there's a couple of funny stories about your cousin Laurel. Um, yeah. so <laughs> one he was doing a, a test and one time he put, he just drew a cat. That said, fuck this test, I <laughs> kill myself, or something like that. And he got zero marks for it. And then he went off to France to work in a barn. But anyway, that's, that's besides the point. But Laurent was in my high school in the same year as me, and then we went to university together. But he was in robotics, and I was in physics.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we sort of knew each other. Um, vaguely kind of before but um, it wasn't until we kind of got coaching together that we properly hit it off let's just say uh, yeah. <laughs> so, and
1: then we had a, a mutual friend that we kind of also had a had a good few years with
0: uh, yeah I I, can't, I don't actually know who you're uh, implying here but uh, I'm sure there's yeah, there was
1: another coach at, uh, at Craig Lockhart that wasn't there permanently that got had quite a rude firing Oh
0: yeah, I I do know who you're talking about. Yeah, we, we won't mention his name, but yeah, yeah, I No. I, I get you there.
1: <laughs> it was it was us three and then it was Eddie, um that you've had on the podcast before. Yeah. And I think after that I joined Black Hole not too long after.
0: Yeah. So then yeah, this you had a couple of hits with this said person as well. Um so um yeah, no, that's that's definitely how he kind of hit it off and then yeah, good friends ever since so so yeah so kind of moving on uh, talking about tennis Bryson how would you describe your tennis ability or lack of tennis
1: ability <laughs> I think I think the latter is probably a bit more apt description of uh, my tennis ability I, I'd say I'm a reasonable kind of C plus if you were on a grading scale I'd say like in terms of the world of club Club players C plus is kind of where I'd put myself. Um, I know there are those out there that might might um, dispute that. I'm looking at you, Ryan Doran from last from last <laughs> podcast or podcast before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think I'm a reasonable tennis player. I was I was never any good in competition. I think that that's what my problem was.
0: Yeah. I never really had. I many remember good you results. playing a guy. Um... We may as well name drop him Stephen Leighton. I remember you playing in North oh, Berwick and getting in, getting a bit of a pulverising there. Uh, I think it was a handicap no, match, I actually. Think, I think the first
1: time I think it we was played, a, it was I think, two and three. I think you had a handicap down, of
0: 15 love or something like that. Um,
1: oh, no, that that was the second time that we played. The first time that we played was down at uh, Craig Miller Park as part of the uni tennis. Okay. Um, And he beat me, I think it was either one and three or two and three, or a combination of those two. All right. Um, and then the second time that we played, that was in the East Lothian Open back in 2017. And yeah, he had a he had a 15, I had a 15 love lead or something, um, and I bottled it, and it was two and three again, I think, I remember. But Steven's just a good player, and I, I never really got the hang of playing against lefties.
0: No, yeah, he, he is a good player, to be fair. So, that, yeah, no harm in... Harman losing to that guy, so um, so yeah, so um, yeah, so how how have you kind of um, can you talk a bit about the your kind of general life as a student? How is that for you at Heriot Watt, and um, obviously being part of the tennis team as well, and the, the social element? How how is that for you?
1: Yeah, I think um, tennis obviously was quite a big part of my my university life. It was, I guess, my outlet from all of the hard work or lack of hard work that I was doing on my uni course. So it was definitely for university, I I made the mistake of doing something that I didn't enjoy and that I was just good at, which was mathematics. Um, So for me, the social aspect of university was far more important than anything else. And in terms of your question about how it felt to be part of the tennis team, I think it wasn't really... The Being a part of the tennis team wasn't the important part. It was the being a part of a group of people that were like-minded. And I just really enjoyed that aspect of it, especially in years two and three when I was on the committee and I was actually running it. I really, really enjoyed that. I think you were president, weren't you? Or... I, I was vice president in second year when we moved to Thistle Tennis Club. Um, yeah, and then I was president in third year when we moved to Edinburgh Sports Club.
0: Oh wow! So what? Uh, what kind of responsibilities do you have being president then?
1: Well, so so vice president first off was assisting the president, obviously, but also dealing with the coaching program or the coaching at university, um, and that was quite a big responsibility because we didn't we didn't really have many. Uh, we had some coaches. But it was it was more about kind of just organising the the sessions on a Wednesday and Saturday Uh, and then President it it became a lot more just liaising with Edinburgh Sports Club and making sure that we had the right slots and the right times and liaising with uh, the university as well for the touch tennis sessions to make sure that we had those correct times as well. and organising events as well too. We had, a, I think it was an American doubles tournament that we ran in third year that went off quite well, uh, which I was a part of organising. And a racket lawn, which was, I do Do you know? Do you know about rackathons or racket lawns? Yeah, when you I, play believe it's, squash tennis I believe and it's
0: squash, tennis, and badminton. Squash, tennis, and badminton. table tennis as well, or is that not included?
1: It depends. Depends on which you play. I think the main ones are squash, badminton, tennis. Yeah. And we kind of got that sorted towards the end of my presidency and that was quite fun for charity it was it was a pretty good laugh um but yeah no i i really enjoyed my time being a part of the organization of the club rather than just a member and then in fourth year i just because of the university workload that i had i became a member rather than an organizing person Alright, oh, yeah, that
0: sounds that sounds pretty good and a lot of res- responsibility there as well. So um so what was your kind of favorite part of, of being a student? Uh what, what were the highlights?
1: I I was actually quite boring at university. I didn't really go out to many uh to many socials. Um, yeah. but I'd I'd have to say there was a, a physics conference. This is gonna sound really nerdy and it probably is. There was a physics conference after first year that my friend and I went down to. That was a really interesting, interesting time because that that was, I met a lot of people that I'm still in touch with at that physics conference. Uh, also meeting my girl, like now ex-girlfriend. That was obviously quite an important part. Um, and also I think becoming a member of Black Hall really highlighted some of the university experiences especially the, the tennis it, it kind of elevated not necessarily elevated but it helped me practice my tennis so that I could play a little bit better in matches
0: you know yeah definitely and um, I, I presume you've listened to the to the, my, my other podcast about uh, referring to Black Hole Tennis Club as well so, um, mm-hmm. so the listeners will be well educated about that I'm sure so um yeah, definitely. So, uh, were there anything? Were there any bad parts about being a student, or things you didn't p- particularly enjoy about being a student?
1: I think, at least now, I have the kind of perspective of not being a student and working nine till five every day. But I think it was the lack of responsibility for anything but your own uni work that was kind of an issue for me. I I couldn't, you know, it was it was fine. Not having any responsibility, but not having responsibility made me really devalue the, my academic results, for instance. And then it was also that the course that I was doing, because I'd chosen something which was what I was good at rather than what I enjoyed, I really fell behind the curve. Um, so I guess the actual academics portion of university was what I least enjoyed,
0: yeah i i feel that would maybe be the answer for for quite a lot of people as as well i think a lot of people are... it, it
1: depends on the person because some people choose what they enjoy at the start of university and they can sail through no problem and get really good marks yeah and then there's people like myself who just go because everyone else is going and choose something that they're good at and they they really don't enjoy it
0: yeah no that is uh, definitely a uh a talking point like i i feel that a lot of i didn't go to university myself but i feel a lot of people will go to university um just because everyone else is going and pick something that they oh they were quite good at school at but it, it doesn't necessarily relate to how it's going to be and you you sometimes get people dropping out and stuff because it's not what they envisaged and yeah just stuff like that i've i've heard and stuff um my brother I think it's something well. like I
1: can't remember what the stat was, but in first year, I think it's like seventy percent of people change what they're studying. That's, that's a common stat. One. Them, that when I yeah. went into university, that's what the stat was for people in the first year. It's quite a crazy thing if you think about it.
0: No, oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, changing what you're studying is obviously quite a quite a big decision. So, um, yeah, seventy percent. That's a that's a lot. That's a big figure, to be honest. Um, and yeah, so um, yeah, my brother's actually studying um mechanical engineering at um strathclyde and oh, is he? yeah uh, nice. he's getting he's doing pretty well, i think, getting pretty good marks and stuff um so yeah he's well, got, is this his first year yeah, uh, it's his second year now, so he didn't actually oh, shit. he didn't actually particularly enjoy his first year uh socially anyway, but now he's he's got a friend that he's got a flat with, and he's just uh, getting on. I
1: remember we talked about this at Drummond. but How long ago was Drummond?
0: That must have been was a couple that... couple of years ago. Um, yeah, in
1: 2019, I think. Yeah, so you would have been in S6 that was still when...
0: Sorry? You would have been in S6 then, I think.
1: Yeah, that was probably it. And I remember we, we bumped into uh, Sarah. Drummond uh, as well. Oh yeah, who, I'll have to give a uh, wee shout out to Sarah. was my primary yeah. school teacher for English, or high school. High teacher, school, English. yeah. Did, that. that was a nice bumping into But yeah, no, I remember talking about your brother to your mum that day, and he seemed to be going to wanting to do engineering. But it's good to hear that he's doing well.
0: Yeah, no, doing um, scarily well, actually. So hopefully he can keep it going. <laughs> yeah, so... Um... How is he coping with the
1: uh, with COVID?
0: he doesn't actually mind too much because he was never one for really like going out to nightclubs all the time and like meeting lots of people. So I think it actually, he doesn't mind it as much as other as other people would do. Um, so yeah, it's not too bad, not too bad for him. So kind of moving on, what was, what was the transition like Um moving into the workplace from graduating there must have been quite a lot of differences but what was sort of the main difference in terms of moving to work a work situation kind of nine to five rather than uh like studying at uni
1: yeah so I, i kind of touched on this earlier in my answer to one of the earlier questions about what my least favorite part of uni was but it's it's certainly Kind of the change in scope of your responsibilities. Because in uni, you're only responsible for yourself and your uni work, and that's it. But when you when you when you go into a work environment, you're you're now responsible for a whole load more. You have taxes. You've got bills that you have to pay because you live in a certain flat. You have you know responsibilities to your work as well. You've got to get up at half seven every single morning and commute in. And for me, at least for the first three weeks. That I was working it was quite a natural progression for me <clears throat> because i'd I'd had a lot of the um, experiences at kind of handling extra responsibility from university and then transferring that into the workplace was second nature, but it was unfortunate because as soon as I'd pretty much got in two and a half weeks later, we were all sent home and I started working remotely which was a different transition but yeah no I I really enjoyed going from uni life to working life it took a while I was unemployed for quite a long time but I finally got there and I really enjoyed it when I did.
0: Yeah definitely Um, and also what was um, can you talk just a bit more about kind of working from home and how how does that kind of differ from working in an office say is it much more chill or is there is it more or less kind of the same, just you're, you're in your home rather than uh, in an office? Or...
1: Well, so I think uh, to start off with, working in an office, you're, you're surrounded by people who work hard, so you naturally work hard yourself, and you don't need to find a motivation to complete that task that you've been asked to do, or you don't need to find that motivation to stay past five o'clock. But as soon as you start working from home, the... All of the little conversations that you had during your time in the office, you can no longer have working from home. So you can't just have meaningless conversations with the person next to you anymore. Every single conversation that you have working from home has a purpose. It's, it's always about something work-related, and you can't really find the time to build a personal relationship with the people that you're working with. And that was really difficult because there is a couple of people in my team that are similar age to me. But because I never really met them until I was working from home, I've not had the chance to go out for beers with them or, or you know, hang out with them outside of work. And then secondary to that, on the point about the motivation to work hard, it's a lot more difficult. It's considerably more difficult because you don't have your boss looking over your shoulder. Like there's, there's, I could if I wanted to. Cheat and basically make it look like I was working, uh but not actually working, not saying I have done that, but it it's there's the motivation for not doing any work, and that's one of the biggest challenges I think
0: yeah, yeah, it sounds like sounds like it um yeah, so the transition yeah it it does seem very um some people think it'll be quite smooth, but I think from what you've said, you know. Um, it
1: was, it was harsh. It was a harsh transition. Um, luckily for me, I wasn't that much. I didn't have that much time in an office, so the the distinction between working in an office and working at home wasn't too big. But for some people who'd been working in an office for you know twenty plus years, they really struggled to find that balance between working and not working
0: yeah yeah definitely i think um i think it's it's tough for people that are working at working at home at the moment because i think as you say there's just not that social interaction that you would get in an office even if you're say talking to someone for like two minutes filling up your water or something you know it, it's just yeah. kind of two two minute conversations that sometimes can make make people's day and unfortunately that can't happen at the moment which yeah is a it's shame. it's
1: it's even just the kind of the small witty banter that you can have in an office. You know, there'll be two people having a conversation about something funny, and you can all join in and have a laugh for two minutes. But when you're working from home, and every single call has a purpose, it's really difficult to find time to slot in having fun. And a lot of the time, we use the we use. The the time that we wait for people to join a call as the banter time and then as soon as everyone's there we just start.
0: Yeah. No, that that sounds um that sounds about right. Yeah. I mean obviously on the call you've only got probably only got a certain amount of time as well, so Yeah, I I get where you're coming from it, there.
1: It's it's difficult as well because there's only one person that's talking at any one time. So you have to kind of go through things sequentially. You can't just have multiple people talking about different things in a meeting. You know, so if you have a conversation about a topic that needs to happen between two different people, that isn't the person that, the main person that's speaking, it elongates the meeting and just makes it hella boring.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Um there's a lot of these kind of team meetings going about at the moment, but I think yeah, it's it's very much um kind of work and business based sadly when you're doing it um, on Zoom as well so um, yeah it's been good to talk about your um, your work and stuff but um, that's I think your work is very small compared to Roger Federer's return to tennis
1: yeah it's it's absolutely <laughs> tiny in comparison to that how do you think he's
0: been playing? actually I saw a bit of it as a match against Dan Evans I have to say he's moving pretty well considering he's had was it knee surgery or something he's had? So, yeah, um, yeah, I think he's
1: still not 100%, um, and I don't think he'll ever be, uh, because obviously knee surgery is quite an important part. I think it was just his, you know, I, I, obviously I am not a tactical god of tennis, but I think some of his decisions against Dan Evans and then against Basil Ashfili, yeah, they were a bit questionable. And maybe he was just trying to find his rhythm. But I think if he'd, if he'd held back in certain areas or attacked in others, he would have won it more easily.
0: Yeah, I feel that his, his movement was okay, but yeah, as you say, I just I just think, because he's not been on the court for so long, his, his decision-making and tactically wasn't quite there, especially against, you know, in the match he lost against Vasilis Vili. Really. I feel he came through the match, I feel Dan Evans probably should have beaten him, but I feel Dan yeah. Evans maybe got a bit of stage fright towards the end, and oh my god I'm going to beat Roger Federer type thing and then Mm. but uh, you know credit to Roger though I mean he's obviously got that huge amount of experience um, that you know you just found that second gear 20 grand slams 20 grand slams yeah so Who, who
1: are you backing an injured Federer or a fully fit Alex or Steven? (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, I'd surely have to back myself on that one, Alex. I can't see how yeah. Roger could what, possibly what, what hurt me with surgery. Be? I reckon. It, I reckon it'd soccer. be tight. I reckon it'd be about. I reckon I'd win the first set seven five, and then Roger'd get the second set on a breaker six seven, and then I'd close out six four. I reckon. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Who, who do you think in Scottish tennis is most similar to Federer? That's a
0: good question. (laughs) Scottish tennis. Um, You know, I don't know if you've heard of him, but have you heard of a player called Douglas McIntosh?
1: I've heard of Dougie McIntosh. Douglas, yeah. Yeah, well, just purely, I don't don't know if he doesn't actually
0: actually play like Ferrer. He's just got a one-handed backhand. Um, So that... that, That's it. That that narrows it down. And he wears Nike as well, so you can't really... Yeah, I mean, Ferrer
1: wears Uniquel now, so it's not really that much for a
0: comparison. Well, Oh yeah, he does, doesn't he? Yeah, I forgot he just yeah, doesn't yeah. wear Nike anymore. Yeah, I think unique gave what, what him you? 30 million pounds or something.
1: Who is the Riley Opelka of Scottish tennis? Riley Opelka? Big, tall, <laughs> massive serve.
0: Uh, well, I think you're alluding to the guy that's just been on the last podcast and that's Daniel Warshaw. I think with his height and his serve, thought. his serve. I, I think that's, that's, there's only one guy for that. Um, I don't know who else you're alluding to there. <laughs> Who were you alluding to?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought there might be some other really tall guy from Scottish tennis as an asset.
0: There's tall... Maybe a Lloyd Dretrix-Watson. He's about six four. Yeah, yeah Lloyd, Lloyd's say, actually
1: yeah. fantastic. I think I played him once when he was playing with Adam Brownlow in Division you actually,
0: 1. You actually got set of him, didn't you? With Ian McKinley, who's been mentioned in the last few podcasts.
1: Yeah, um, Yeah, we did somehow. I still don't know how that happened. Probably because I had Eden on my team, but that was a particularly fun, fun match. And then we kind of we played I think it was the Stout brothers and got completely tanked.
0: Yeah, ran out of steam maybe. Um, well,
1: Callum Stout was just chopping it underhand serve. Oh yeah, he likes his underhand
0: serves. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, definitely. Um, so yeah, um, do you see Andy Murray has had a fourth child?
1: I, I haven't. No, uh, that's news to me. I mean, when are they going to stop?
0: I don't know, mate, but I, I seem to keep on going. He's he, still pretty what young. He wants,
1: he wants the maximum number of kids to become world number one. I think that might be what he's doing. I think he maybe just yeah, be just going on, on and on and on. So. Five Scottish people at the top of the game. I mean,
0: that might be it. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if one of them was a pro tennis player, put it that way. But um, Maybe.
1: You never know.
0: So, talking of Andy, um, how do you think... Do you see Andy returning to the, the top 50 or the top of the game? Uh, or, or do you see him... I, I
1: don't. I'm, yeah. I'm one of these kind of naysayers that don't, I don't really think he'll get quite to the top. I think he might get top 40, top 30. I think the people above that are just too, too good now in comparison to how he, how he was when he left yeah i think
0: i think to be honest i don't i agree with you i don't think he's going to get to the top of the game but i still think it's good that he's trying to give it a go and still play the sport he loves and just keep on going but but as you say it's get it's very difficult uh you've got players so much depth now in the kind of top 50 um especially yeah. with guys top like 10 even the top it's just 10, stacked like, up there. like the you got a a player that I'm really like at the moment is Andre Rublev. He's just absolutely killing it at the moment. Yeah. He won in Rotterdam. I, he's, just, I,
1: he's just such a tank.
0: Um, yeah, I was he just watching goes one of his
1: practice it. sessions like, like last night or something, and it's just such a solid, solid ball striker.
0: Oh no, definitely. Did you see
1: in in Doha that his first two opponents he got a walkover, and then his first two opponents bowed out and just retired before he got the match? Yeah. He's just an absolute beast, to be honest.
0: Um, I mean, the way he beat he, the way he beat Sitsipas in in Rotterdam, and then actually, yeah. it's very surprising that that Fuxovic guy got to the final of um, Rotterdam. But but I actually rate that guy. I don't know if you know him, Marton
1: Fuxovic. Yeah, yeah he's, yeah, he's quite a good player. I quite like him. I yeah, he's got a good I style. Think-
0: I think he's got the potential to be. At least top twenty, if not top ten, the way yeah. he kind of plays. Yeah, well, if plays. he plays
1: well, he can. Yeah, I, I think. But Rublev reminds me a lot of Ferrer. Just that kind of dogged determination. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't change his ground strokes much. It's just always the kind of the same ground stroke that he hits every single time. And he's just you know good good all round player.
0: Yeah, I'd say the main difference between Rublev and Ferrer is Rublev hit the ball. Rublev hits the ball a lot harder and Ferrer Ferrer was much more of a clay court grinder I've got what three in the top
1: 20 or something yeah so you've got obviously Medvedev
0: Medvedev Medvedev this
1: Karatsev guy that's come up this year
0: oh I know Um, a story about Karatsev so for the listeners Karatsev got to the Australian Open semi-finals and he made about three times the amount of prize money he had ever done in his whole career Um, something crazy like that Jesus yeah I mean yeah, that's insane like he just came from that's people are kind of underplaying that story but like that was an incredible story that he got to the semi-finals
1: it was that? the semi he played Djokovic he lost he lost but he, but he played in Djokovic in right. the semis yeah. and it's it's yeah, dude, so wins crazy. Against, I, uh, I was watching a video a couple of days ago about uh, where Dmitry Tersenov I don't know if you remember him thought, he was yeah, a Russian player I think I remember back. him yeah he was coaching Karatsev in 2009 and there was a video about that, and it was just interesting to see how much he's progressed in that time frame.
0: No, yeah, definitely. I mean, he's, he's some player the way where he hits that ball, and he had very good wins against Ali, I think it was Ali Asim and Dumitrov yeah, as yeah. well to get to the semis. So it's I, I like really like one. Ali
1: Asim. I think he's. He, he might be the next big thing in tennis. He's just such an. If you, if you opened a textbook about tennis, there would probably be a picture of Ali Asima on there right now. He's just got that kind of textbook game. Yeah, he
0: has got the textbook game. I just wonder if he lacks the mentality at the moment to get to the top of the game. I feel that he I might... I think
1: that'll come. You know, remember, Team Team was fantastic. He came through... I think it was 2014 when he played Wawrinka in... Was it Madrid? And he beat him in Madrid in three sets I think but one of them was like six love um, I think it'll just take time for Ali seem to get to this point where like TM is now which is number three in the world or number four I think I can't remember what it is
0: yeah uh, you might be right there yeah I just I really hope he breaks through um, What, well, what's your view on Shapovalov do you think he'll um, he'll be causing causing waves this year
1: I think so. I think him and Rublev... Rublev has certainly been causing waves for yeah. the past couple of years. Yeah. I think Sh- Shapovalov... He's, he's caused quite a few upsets. But I think he's going to become more consistent at causing these upsets in the next couple of years. Yeah. And eventually he'll break the top 10, I think. Has he, has he break, broke the top 10 before?
0: I think he might have. But um, to, to really make... I think he's going to really make an impact... This year I think with these guys it's more the mentality than their axe ex- because the shot making is excellent I just think that yeah. they just need to believe in themselves to beat these top guys because it's still um, um I think you um I don't want to humiliate you here but I think you posted a post saying that uh, oh, Federer Nadal I, and, yeah, and Djokovic no, no. wouldn't wouldn't <laughs> uh would not be at the top of the game but they they still are so that just shows you how kind of incredible those players are um, and now, to be one, honest, of, one of the things
1: I think in that post that I said was Raonic would be one of the top four and it, that's yeah, just it has been in 2017 or 2016 yeah, when he beat it's just women, been a bit disappointing over women.
0: the last few years Reunich. Um not quite fulfilled yeah, his potential he, but he can be a great player I mean the way he serves is unbelievable and his forehand on a good day it causes most players can't touch him but it's just he's just
1: kind of on and off player at the moment which is a shame. Do you do you remember in twenty sixteen when he beat Federer? And he, I think he got to world number three. So by that yeah. I was technically correct in saying it would be a top four. But he's just not had the consistency since then to kind of elevate his game to great status and quote unquote.
0: Yeah, I think another player that's not fulfilled their potential is David Goffin. Um, I feel that he's Oh yeah. He was a big thing. Uh, four or five years ago, but now he's just kind of faded away, sadly, because um, he has got a big game and he can cause players lots of problems, but just not really fulfilled his potential. I
1: think I think he's just too passive in this game. Like, sure, he could be aggressive, but he's just got... Yeah. He's so small that he can't cause any sort of damage to anyone, essentially.
0: Yeah, I think you're probably right, but a player that has been causing... Quite a lot of waves is Diego Schwartzman, who's really small. He's um he's top ten just now, so he's he's pretty damn good. I just feel that he's never gonna quite win a slam, but just because he's not got the size, I think I might be wrong. Hope I'm wrong, but um I just feel that he's there, but he's to win a slam tall order for him, especially at the moment. But
1: yeah, I think the average height for a slam player, slam winner was like six foot or something over the last ten years. But that's obviously quite skewed because of you know Federer, Nadal, and, and Djokovic have just they're all around six feet. Um, yeah. So it's a bit biased towards that kind of height. But I think Diego might be good for coming to you know semi-finals, especially on clay where his movement really shines, um, and he doesn't need any sort of explosive power like you do in a hard court to get past people.
0: Yeah, I'd say clay um, is probably his best surface to be honest. Um,
1: yeah, he probably grew up on it.
0: Yeah, Argentina, i can imagine there's a lot of a lot of clay courts and stuff as well. So so yeah. Um
1: you, you know who I think is quite underrated is that Uber Urkacz? The Polish I think he's Polish. Oh yeah. I, yeah, there.
0: yeah, I've seen him play yeah, I'm not convinced about that guy. I think he's got the game, definitely, but he's just sometimes too inconsistent, I feel. Um He's quite
1: young though, isn't he?
0: Yeah, he's young. I think he's only about 22, 23, I believe. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think he's still got time to... If he can get his game together, then, yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, there's there's a I lot think of players.
1: Quite, there's a good few players in the top 50 now who are quite young that might break through.
0: Yeah. Um, what's your view on Stefano Sitsipas? Do you see him doing it this
1: year? Well... Probably not winning uh, a slam, not this but, year. Not
0: a slam, but I feel like he's got one in
1: him. Whether it be, I, a... I think so too. I think he'll be a Del Potro character. Um, I don't think he's got the firepower to beat Medvedev consistently or team consistently. Yeah. Um, I think those guys are just better mentally, but he's he's certainly got the game. He's proven it by beating Nadal. And in... did he beat Nadal this year in Australia? I think he did
0: yeah he came back from two sets love down to beat Nadal which is incredible Yeah, Yeah, so he's got it in him so he has the
1: game for it Mm. he just needs the consistency
0: yeah I feel if his consistency is slightly better um, there's no reason why he can't he can't win a slam but uh,
1: who's going to be the first of the big three to retire I'd probably have to say Federer
0: but I don't but you never know with all Nadal's injuries you never really know so yeah, um, I'd say Djokovic is probably the last guy to retire. I would say. Sadly. Yeah, well,
1: Djokovic still has got some stuff in him, but I think he's starting to become more human with Medvedev and team, especially team. He's team's got the sort of game that damages Djokovic. I think Medvedev is a bit too much like Djokovic to beat him.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, Djokovic. Yeah, the way he kind of played. And uh, there was a few people saying Medvedev was a favourite in the Australian Open final. I never really thought
1: that was the case. I kind of thought would. Medvedev then, was playing Djokovic at his own game, and that was never going to work.
0: Yeah, I mean, Djokovic just had him, really. Um, sadly, yeah. So, um, as, as the listeners know, I'm not a big fan of Djokovic. I'm not, a bit, not sure about you, Alex. Me, me. Neither am
1: I, but I remember that 2011 run. He had at the start. We oh, won wow. like forty-two matches in a row. Or yeah, that was Federer beat him at the French.
0: That was ridiculous. Yeah, that, I don't think that will ever be done again. To be honest, certainly not in our no. lifetime.
1: I remember that match, the semi-final at the French. I remember that very well. That was a very good match. Thing. Yeah, I was rooting for Federer. One Fed of my favorite one. matches.
0: Yeah, a very good match. That, but um, but the run Djokovic had was just incredible. Just winning every single tournament. Uh, so he came from being like the third player in the world, and very much the third player behind Federer and Nadal, and then he just came out of the blocks, just racing. Um, yeah. And yeah, just just won every tournament and just continued for the whole year. Won three out of the four slams, and then just yeah, just causing havoc really.
1: And then his resurgence in twenty fifteen and twenty sixteen, and then again in tw- last year in twenty twenty
0: yeah was I mean, he was he was a bit off the boil in twenty eighteen I think he was losing to players such as
1: Kyle Edmund and stuff like that um He was, but that was after his elbow surgery, I think, and he changed his serve, he lightened his racket as well, yeah, he moved some of the weight from his racket down to the handle or removed some of it entirely. I can't remember, but he made a lot of changes that year, so of course he was going to play shite.
0: yeah, um, yeah, he did go off the boil a bit, but yeah he's, he's come back now, and to be honest, I see him. I don't think, in my view, he will be the greatest ever in terms of, like, personality, but I think he will get the most slams. sadly. Um,
1: yeah, I think just surely, for purely, sorry, for the fact that uh, he changed the game, I think Federer will always be up there. Federer and Nadal will always be the two that are looked at as the greatest of all time because they they're the people that made tennis what it is today. They forced everyone else to get up to their level.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, there were so many years where it's just Federer and Nadal, Federer and Nadal, every single time, and then Djokovic obviously came, eventually. But I think there was always going to be that player that kind of, eventually wanted to stop them, and that was that was Djokovic. So, yeah. Who
1: do you think is, the Djokovic equivalent now? You know who's going to come in and break up Nadal and Djokovic?
0: Yeah, uh, that's a tough one. If I had to pick a player at the moment, it would be Medvedev. But right now, it's he's getting there, but he just needs a bit more—not firepower, but he just needs something. Something else needs to happen for him to completely break them up.
1: I think, I think team. I think Dominic team is probably the one who's going to break through. He's mm. got the firepower. He's got the movement. He's got the serve. He just needs the defense aspect
0: of it now. I just feel that Dominic teams slightly too erratic and makes slightly wrong decisions slightly too much. Great player, don't get me wrong, but I just feel that he doesn't quite have the. He just plays some stupid shots sometimes. That He doesn't need to play. Don't we all? Oh, we do. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, you know what I mean. Like, um, but yeah, you yeah. I, I hope he comes. I hope he comes through because he's absolutely excellent on clay and yeah I feel he he could and he probably should but whether he doesn't I mean he's already got a slam which is pretty good but like he just
1: he's been in the final of the French for a couple of years hasn't
0: he? He has yeah yeah I mean you never really know but um I I hope he does but um but yeah it'd be be good to see but um as for Medvedev I'm not apart from his tennis I'm not sure about, about his attitude to be honest but um it it is what it is, but I mean, yeah, uh, not sure what how you feel about his attitude, but um. uh,
1: I think I think he just needs to settle down. He's kind of like Federer at the start, where he's a bit fiery and just wants wants to prove himself. But as soon as he's won a Grand Slam, I think he'll probably settle down a bit and realize that it's it's about hard work and just keeping your keeping your head in the game rather than smashing rackets left, right, and center.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I just feel that he he has got it at the moment but he just needs something else to kind of over overtake them and then there's no reason why he can't win multiple multiple grand slams. I think he will definitely win one or two. That 100%, but whether or not he'll absolutely dominate like Djokovic has done, I I'm not yeah. sure, I'm not so sure.
1: I I'm not I don't think so either. Um who do you think is going to be the next big two then? So I think next big two, is probably up there. But Medvedev.
0: Who else? At the moment, I'd say TM, but you can't you can't rule out Tsitsipas. Um. Yeah, I'd say I'd say at the moment Medvedev and TM, but um. Yeah, but, but as you say, there's younger players like Ali Asim Shapovalov. Um you know there's other players Rublev obviously as well so you, you, you can never you never really know so it's it's going to be exciting I think over the next yeah. couple of years I think
1: I think Med to death and I also think I'm going to go for a little bit of a of a kind of long shot but either Ali Asim or Shapovalov I think Rublev is good I think that he's once he's fi- once players have figured out how to beat him he won't be uh he won't change as much as maybe some other players would. So it'll probably be easier to beat after that happens.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. I think so definitely. Um And Djokovic uh he, he will continue to dominate for the next couple of years, but um yeah, there's there's gonna be someone com out, someone else coming through. Um definitely. Yeah. No hundred percent.
1: That's for sure.
0: Yeah, so Alex Bryson, it's it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. So, uh, what's what's new? F- what's new for you coming next few weeks? Just the same old, or got any exciting? Same old. I'm I'm yeah. looking
1: for a move to a different uh, area of the business that i work working currently. So oh, hopefully cool. that will come to fruition. Um, I've actually organised a kind of coffee roulette thing for my company, so that's going to be quite fun starting on Monday. Um, so we're we're going to be getting a list of names. People are just going to be randomly paired up together, and I've been sp- spending the week speaking to some quite quite high up people, trying to get them signed on so we could name drop them in the emails. So it's been quite a fun week so far. But yeah, that that's the next things for me.
0: Ah, oh, that sounds good. Yeah. So um, yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast, and um, thanks. For having I'm, having I'm, me. I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been a fun one. It's been it's been a very good one, and um, yeah. So, um, we have been. You can call me our podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. Stay tuned to the next one, and I will see you all soon. Goodbye.